break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back with you here on The Punch-Out, 12th of August, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be updating you again on the Afghan endgame, which is quickening. We're going to be talking about the ongoing wealth surge for billionaires around the globe during the pandemic. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to start with the Federal Reserve's stealth bailout program. Regular listeners to this show will know that we have frequently reminded you that the Federal Reserve has been, since September of 2019, operating a stealth, unofficial bailout program of the repo loan market on Wall Street. They've shoveled at least $11 trillion into the repo market as of September 2020. $9 trillion of that alone came in just the seven months after September 2019. Who the recipients are and how much money they got remains essentially unknown. Although we have some general idea, given the overall players in the repo market, we can say for sure it involved many of the largest players on the financial scene, including Bank of America, Citigroup, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Barclays, Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs, among others. And now the Fed is officializing this stealth bailout program, although not providing more information about who is actually getting the money. But we'll get back to that in just a bit. Because for those who don't know, we want to explain a little bit what this is. A repo is basically a short-term loan. One party sells securities to another, but agrees to repurchase it at a later date at a higher price. And usually they are overnight loans, but they can be longer. Financial companies with a lot of cash on hand, like money market funds, think Fidelity, Vanguard, but also big banks, love repos because it's a way to make money on essentially idle cash. Securities-heavy companies, think hedge funds, love it because they have less cash on hand, and this way they can easily and quickly turn non-cash holdings into the cash for their day-to-day trades. The repo market sits at a crucial nexus in the financial system, and not just because it's huge. It's about $4 trillion a day. But most major players, the huge banks, the large institutional investors, and so on, are all involved. So if something goes wrong in there, the ripple effects hit the whole economy. Here's one way to think about it. A hedge fund sells repos to Bank of America and Fidelity, and then they use that to fund investments in a bunch of companies that then go belly up for some reason. So those companies can't pay the hedge funds back. So the hedge funds can't pay back Bank of America and Fidelity. And then you can see those large institutions are then scrambling to figure out how to cover their losses. So you can see the domino effect there and how it could quickly get out of hand and how deeply interrelated all the various parts of the financial system are. Now, all that being said, as we mentioned at the top, The Fed has now formalized this ongoing bailout program, announcing at the end of July a new lending facility, quote unquote, that allows the Fed to pump $500 billion a day into the repo market as needed and gives Fed chair Jerome Powell the power to increase that at will. How this came about is also pretty interesting. The Fed made its announcement just a couple hours after the group of 30, a group of major banks and central banks that, quote unquote, advises on financial issues, put out a statement saying they thought the Fed should set up, well, 
exactly this sort of repo bailout facility. Certainly tells you something about elite decision making. The $500 billion number is also interesting because it's basically the same amount of money the Fed lent out in one day in February to the 24 primary dealers that include some of the largest banks and work with the Fed on various financial issues. It's also notable that the Fed announced the program would start the day after they put out their press release, which shows that there was some urgency around it. So what's going on here? Something smells, that's for sure. For over a year now, the Fed has been pumping secretly trillions of dollars into one of the most critical loan markets in the financial system, and now is setting up an official facility to pump in $500 billion a day, potentially, and potentially more than that? Well, the only logical conclusion here is that there are way more bad bets happening in the world of finance than anyone in the world of finance wants to admit, and that many of them have the potential to take the whole system down. And the Fed is just filling up sandbags and stacking them on the riverbank to try to prevent a flood. Many of these institutions are in the too-big-to-fail category, and this should be a major red flag that the possibility of a financial collapse is much closer than we think, and that, yet again, average working-class people are going to be asked to foot the bill for the casino gambling on Wall Street. We've no doubt already heard that 2020 was a great year for billionaires. Worst year for everybody else. Best year for billionaires, it seems. Well, for those same global billionaires, the party is still going. New research from Oxfam details that, quote, the world's billionaires have seen their wealth surge by over five and a half trillion dollars since the beginning of the pandemic in March 2020, a gain of over 68 percent. The world's 2,690 global billionaires saw their combined wealth rise from eight trillion dollars on March 18th of 2020 to 13 and a half trillion as of July 31st, 2021, end quote. They note further that, quote, Amazon's Jeff Bezos' wealth increased by $79.4 billion during the pandemic, rising from $113 billion in March 2020 to $192.4 billion in July of 2021. Billionaire wealth has increased more over the past 17 months than it has in the past 15 years. And 325 new billionaires have joined the Three Comma Club since the pandemic began, equivalent to roughly one new billionaire minted every day. The report goes on to note, by comparison, that, quote, the COVID-19 crisis has pushed over 200 million people into poverty and cost women around the world at least $800 billion in lost income in 2020, equivalent to more than the combined GDP of 98 countries. At the same time, 11 people are now dying of hunger and malnutrition every minute. The Institute for Policy Studies notes about the Oxfam statistics that, quote, a one-time emergency COVID-19 billionaire tax would raise $5.4 trillion and still leave the world's 2,690 billionaires $55 billion richer than before the virus struck, end quote. And both IPS and Oxfam note that would be enough money to vaccinate every adult on Earth and give a $20,000 cash grant to every single unemployed person on the planet. Two things are for sure from these stats. One, no one should ever ask, how are we going to pay for that, as it concerns anything? And two, Karl Marx was spot on when he noted that the accumulation of wealth at one pole is the accumulation of misery at the other. Well, it's almost hard to keep up with the Taliban offensive in Afghanistan with over 10 provincial capitals falling to them in just about a week. 
Government forces seem to be rapidly failing in almost every part of the country, including the northern part of Afghanistan, which was traditionally a stronghold of anti-Taliban forces. The finance minister has already fled the country, and the governor of Ghazni province was arrested by the government after he negotiated a deal with the Taliban to hand over the provincial capital in turn for safe passage as he hightailed it out of town. The U.S. and other European countries are encouraging their nationals to get on the first flight out. And as a clear sign of where things are going, the Afghan government has offered the Taliban a power-sharing deal. The second largest city of Kandahar is the scene of fierce fighting and could fall at any moment. Turkey, which provides security at Kabul's airport and had said about a month ago, hey, we're getting out of here, announced today that they're in fact sticking around to prevent a total collapse of the diplomatic presence in Kabul. Pakistan is being widely blamed by the Afghan government for the Taliban offensive and what really seems as much of a behind covering move as any sort of reality, getting their supporters to get the hashtag sanction Pakistan trending on Twitter. Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan has responded dismissively, stating that Western powers urging him to do more to curtail the Taliban only care about Pakistan when they want Pakistan to, quote, clean up their mess, which I have to say in this case sounds about right. It will be difficult for the Taliban to govern alone without being totally isolated internationally, though. Germany, in fact, made a statement today essentially saying they will cut off all aid in such an eventuality. China and other countries the Taliban has tried to befriend as of late have sent similar, if more muted, signals. So as we said yesterday, our estimation is that the Taliban is trying to create a fait accompli that allows them to create a fig leaf coalition government without having to give up much of anything. The offensive seems likely not to slow down then until Kabul and maybe a few other places are totally isolated, which seems not that far off. However, the Afghan interior minister does claim they're launching an offensive to push back the Taliban. But those plans to throw small local militias and soldiers and police who've already run away from the Taliban back at them seem, well, not that likely to work. Either way, this whole situation shows how completely absurd the whole idea of the quote unquote Afghan government ever was. It was a creature of the West, propped up by the West, and seems unable to put together even the most minimal sort of actual state structure now that the West is on its way out. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Ah, ah, ah.